Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Josh Bonding. I mean the Josh Rogan Show. I mean, how did Josh get made? No, just kidding. This is Noodling with Josh. I was going to say hit the theme, but uh, no, I'm just going to talk to you guys for another minute. Then we're going to hit the theme. I have some awesome stuff to go over. Uh, first and foremost, today is September 25th. It's Monday. And I had a epic blast yesterday at Life is Beautiful um, in downtown Las Vegas. Uh, very honestly and very courteous of, uh, of a friend named Tara who happened to be in town and happened to have an extra wristband. I very much appreciate the trade of being your guys' host slash bodyguard slash you can get on my shoulders uh, in exchange for the ticket, seriously, Tara, if I didn't say it enough yesterday, thank you so much for letting me join you guys. It was an awesome time meeting you. Same thing with you, Tori. Same thing with you, Kayla. And side piece, Kayla, I when you introduced yourself, I thought that you said your name was Galen. I have a friend named Galen. And I introduced you to like five other people to clarify that your name was Galen or not Galen. So I, I apologize. That's totally on me. Um... Anywho, we have an incredible episode today. I had the awesome, awesome opportunity of interviewing and speaking with uh, Spiro Ciavellis, and he's going to tell me I said his name. Actually, I said his name right in the um, interview, so that means I get one mess up, and that was most likely it. But uh, Spiro has been doing stand-up comedy for about 10 years now, and we talk about how he got into it, why he got into it and really just have a really, really good convo on getting into the stand-up business. Uh, who knows? It might be something I try myself. Um, we'll see. Please let me bomb first, and then you can give me feedback if I'm you know good or not. <laughs> Anywho, um, thank you again to everyone who made Lives Beautiful happen. Um, Jesse, thank you again for putting up with me. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I am always down for feedback regarding this episode. Please feel free to hit me up on any social that you prefer. I am usually at Josh the Weaver and really love all feedback. So without further ado, please enjoy this awesome interview with the Spiro. I'm not going to say his last name, so I didn't actually say it wrong. Hit the theme. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Noodling with Josh. My name is Josh. This is my podcast where I get to interview cool people. I don't actually get to interview comedians very often. Um, I hope to change that. But with this guest, I now get to introduce him like I imagine a club owner would introduce him, right? I, I, I So, okay, hold on. Let me get my announcer voice on. I feel like I haven't fallen enough to be a DJ at a strip club, so I don't have to practice this yet, but we'll see how this goes. So, Spiro Savellis. Oh, man, that's going to be a... St All right. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce my guest on the show. He is from the Midwest, Chicago. He brought that charm all the way to Las Vegas, Sin City, Spiro Savellis. What's going on, world? How's everyone doing? How'd that sound? Was that okay? That was pretty good. Okay. I felt like I was at a strip club. Yo, uh, it was perfect. 
What would your stripper name be? Ooh. Aren't you supposed to do like your street name and like your dog's name? I think it's the street you grew up on and your first pet. Okay. So, well, no, other way though. First pet and then. So, pet's name and then street name. Yeah. So, it'd be Tommy Marie. Tommy Marie. That would that would work technically. Yeah, that's not. Or I could be like an old timey actor. <laughs> sounds like something like that. My, oh, man. Speaking of old timey, mine would be Winston Evergreen. Yeah, that sounds like a novelist. That's <laughs> a. Man, I got to write that down. That's a good pen name. I got to see if that Twitter handle's open. <laughs> The alias. The alias for your books. All of I actually I, I do have a pseudonym that I'm never gonna reveal because hopefully weird stuff comes out of that one. We weird can, life stuff that I never want tied back to me. We can only hope. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so Spiro, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, as we talked about as you came to my quote unquote studio, um, much like a previous uh, podcast uh, guest I had. This is probably the longest conversation we've ever had in person. Yeah, yeah. We uh, we worked together for a while, but yep. we never really crossed Ships paths. passing in the night kind of thing, where right. it's just like, what's up, what's up? Like, I knew you were a funny dude just based on, like, the way I started interacting with other people at Zappos. And, yeah. But um, speaking of funny, you've since left, and you were doing the comedy thing. Yep, doing the comedy thing. Um, I also do marketing for Caesars Entertainment as well. So Okay, so we'll talk about that later because yeah. I'm out of work and I need a new job. So if they're hiring, interested. Hey, well, I'll let you know after the show. Keep me in mind. Keep me in mind. We definitely keep me need somebody. <laughs> no, but um, so what made you decide to do? So I fell in the podcast and I think I told you why, but I don't know if I ever. I, I got lonely sitting at home and I wanted to work on a podcast so it became inviting people over to talk and you know turned mm -hmm. into a thing so how did you fall into comedy what was your transition it, it was it's a it's a unique one I mean but if you ask anybody yeah. who's done comedy or who does comedy it's usually a unique story that's not you, you get the ones that from the time they were little they knew they wanted to yeah. be yeah, yeah, a yeah. comic or an actor or something like that I always, that's what I did when I was younger and I was in high school and everything. I was always the guy that wanted to be, if we had a project for school, I wanted yeah. to be the one that was in front of the camera. Oh, yeah. Face of. Act, oh, for sure. Acting silly, being goofy. Yeah. And in the class, I was always talking and being crazy and silly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was very involved with hockey. Hockey was my passion okay. growing up. So, like, there'd be plays or there'd be commercials, but, like, hockey would win out over... Hockey would win out. Okay, I was very sure. dedicated to hockey. High school team travel team sure. all that good yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. um and i moved to california actually to play the level below where they draft for the nhl okay yeah so i was really like into doing that 17 years old moving to the west coast yeah to play uh, hockey to play to, hockey man that's awesome it was super cool a lot of fun um but my second week out in california i shattered my collarbone oh boy okay so i moved out there no friends no family yeah um, I got kicked out of my host family's house. So when, when you play hockey and you're, really? um, yeah, when you're there on the team, they want to put you with a family that, uh, has a kid that plays youth hockey. Yeah, sure. So you can be like a mentor figure yeah. to them. And you were broken. They were just fucking crazy. Oh man. <laughs> they okay. were just, they, uh, I had a little small room with like, all you could fit in was a bed and like a little small TV set. Straight Harry Potter style. Yep. Like locked door and. Yeah, I felt like it was a closet that they were like, let's just throw a bed in here so we can get yeah somebody in something. here. Something, yeah. And uh, the TV, all the channels were blocked except ABC Family. So all I could watch is like 
Full House. Oh boy, <laughs> which oh, I, man. which I watched growing up. So you can only watch it so many you times. Oh man, no <laughs> joke. This the, the, this sounds like the shittiest Airbnb I've ever heard of. It was it was awful. I had to be home by eight o'clock. Lights mm-hmm. out by nine oh, unless I had practice or a game. It was. I was oh like, boy, my own family doesn't have these these rules on. Did <laughs> did you ever follow up with the like? Did you cut connection when they kicked you out, or like, do you still talk to this kid? No, I don't. I don't talk to the family anymore. Literally, I found out the weekend I broke my collarbone. So we went down to Arizona to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would usually play games Friday night, Saturday night, and then Sunday morning. Yeah. So we left on Friday. Friday night we had a game. Saturday night I get called into our general manager's sure. um, office. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. The, hotel, like the, the hotel conference or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'm getting traded already because that's it's very realistic in that sure. world that you can get traded to a different team or cut. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm probably gonna get traded or something. Uh, and he's like, well, we ha- like having you on the team. I'm like, here it comes. Oh, here it comes. But, <laughs> but uh, your host family doesn't want you living with them anymore. <laughs> really? What did you do? I they were upset because I. I was 17. I just turned 18. Yeah. I was living on my own. Yeah. And I wanted to go out and have fun. I, sure. I didn't come home drunk, high, drugs, strange women, none of that. No, but you you were out past eight. I was out past eight, which, oh my God. you know, I know. Terrible person over here. What a, what a rebel. So Man, I can think of so many worse things that could, like, could have, you deserved getting kicked out, but. Right. And, okay. And All I right. was very good. I was very They're good crazy. to their kids. Like, I played street hockey with them, baseball. Sure. Like, it was just. We just didn't. It was Mesh. weird. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was from the first day. It was. You, I knew it was going to be a problem, but I didn't want to say anything. Mm, okay. Uh, I hope that I, it would get better. Which yeah. Obviously, well, it did. Well, shit. <laughs> so um, yeah, he told me that they were gonna. Um, they don't want me there. So he's like, "We'll put you in a hotel until we find you a new host family sure. when we get back." Yeah. So I'm like, "Okay, cool." That yeah, game could be worse. Yeah. That game Saturday night, I fell into the boards awkwardly and shattered my collarbone. Jesus Christ! Um, yeah, so it was uh, it was odd. Like I black, I don't remember a lot of it. Yeah. to be honest with you, from there on out for like the next week or so, I really don't remember. It's all kind of a blur. They actually thought I broke my neck at one point. Oh man! Oh, because I lost motion. Yeah, because I guess the body just went into shock. It sure. was like, what the hell just happened to me? I mean, you're close to your spine, even if you're you know hitting your collarbone just right. Right. Still. Right. Oh, so. Boy. Yeah, it was it was an experience. Um, so, yeah, so all that happened. No friends, no family. Trying to figure out where to live. Yeah, it was like a dark, depressing time. And, and you're in a hotel, I imagine. And so. I'm in a hotel. Oh, My wow. mom came in because she heard what happened. Yeah. And the front desk girl, her and her mother were looking for a roommate because her older brother just moved out. Uh-huh. So it ended up working out. Like I ended up living with her and uh, this girl and her mom. Okay. And they like took me in like. I was that's amazing. Oh man, yeah. A dark situation turned into a really nice situation. Sure, Um, but still, like I was there to play hockey, so I had everything I was there for. My whole purpose of being there was kind of just taken away, Mm -hmm. and it's a long recovery period. Hockey is a physical sport; you can't just walk right back into it. (laughs) Yeah, 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 for sure. So I didn't know what to do, and. Our goalie coach, he was an actor. It was L.A. Okay. that I was living. Uh, sure, I was living at. Everybody's an actor of Every, some sorts. Everyone's an actor. Everyone has a screenplay. Oh, Everyone boy. wants you to see their improv group, um, and that's pretty much what happened. Okay, he, he um, was part of an improv class and group, and so was his girlfriend, who I 
had classes with at the local college there. Okay. And they kind of convinced me, like, hey, you seem like this, this, you seem like someone who would enjoy this. Yeah. Like you can't it. play hockey, but. Yeah. But you're silly, you're goofy. Sure. Like, this, come and blow off some steam, learn about this. And I, like, fell in love with improv comedy right there in that That's first awesome. class. It was a blast. That's incredible. So you started off in improv. Yep. Did you do anything back here? What what brought you to Las Vegas from California? So my dad lived out here. Okay. Um, and eventually I just got cut from the team. Sure. Because. You're broken, unfortunately. I Sorry. I tried to come back a little too early. Uh, got re rebroke it. I broke it in two different Jesus spots. Jesus Christ, Vera. So, yeah, it was <laughs> it was a rough uh, year and a half. So um, I played my la- I we had an agreement that I played my last year there. Okay. So I played a total. Well, I was there a total of two years, and then I walked away on my own. But I was gonna get cut no matter what. Sure. Yeah. So I ended up coming out here because my dad's like UNLV just started up a hockey team. Yeah. You could play for them. You can go to school. You could stay with me, save yep. some money, yep. get, get you on your feet. Yeah, of course. So I was like, yeah, that sounds like a good deal to me. Yeah. Um, for the first year at UNLV, I didn't do improv because I didn't really know anybody. And sure. You're, you know, new place trying to get into it. You don't just, you know, right. pick up a new improv group. Yeah. Right. And I was back focused on hockey. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes it, sense. It was that original love that came back. Mm-hmm. I was finally back on the ice and yeah. performing and playing well. So I was like, hell yeah, like. Let's get mm-hmm. let's get back to this. Um, the second year, my fresh uh, my sophomore year at UNLV. Uh, if you say you broke your collarbone again, I'm gonna be so mad at you. No, no, no. Okay. Collar, <laughs> collarbone's okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would suck, wouldn't it? Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, no, but my second year, I um, I was in a relationship with a girl long term and uh, long distance in okay. Chicago this yeah. whole time. Oh uh, yeah, okay. And uh, we broke up th- that summer. Mm-hmm. It was just one of those things where we realized long distance sure. wasn't. That's cross country. That's yeah. That's rough. We tried to make it work for like a year and a half or so, and it just yeah. it just wasn't working. And yeah, it happens. Yeah, no hard feelings either way. It was kind of. But again, I was in that like, okay, now what do I do with this extra time? Yeah. Or, or at least to get my mind mm-hmm. off of what activity. Yeah, I need, I need an extracurricular of sorts. Exactly. So uh, my friend Gemma, who's from New Zealand, I took a film class with her because I okay. really got into film as well when I was um, yeah. in California. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Spiro, come to my improv show. I, I do it. improv. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that'd be fun. I'll go watch. Yeah. And then I watched it. And improv, as many of you know, and for those of you don't, is very interactive. You get oh, to come yeah. on stage a lot if you're an audience member. Mm-hmm. And I went on stage, and I got, like, that rush again. And, and you're I just go, like, oh, boy, yeah, this. I need to do this again. Rep, I'm like, I need to start up. So I talked to the guy that was running it, and, yeah, and then got right back into the improv game. That's awesome. So you went through UNIV, you did hockey and improv, mm-hmm. and then after that, you just decided that I needed to take it towards stand-up. Yeah. What what pointed you towards wanting to be a stand up and, and you know, doing open mics and whatnot? So I really liked stand up. Like when I grew up, me and my dad would always watch like Carlin on oh, HBO yeah. late mm-hmm. night and sure. all those awesome comics that HBO used to have their specials on. Oh, of course. The Rodney Dangerfield young comedians with you got like Tim Allen and all those Sam Kennison, all those really awesome old school comics from yeah. the eighties and nineties. So I always loved doing it, and I was like, "Hey, like improv's cool, but I want to try stand up." Yeah, I want to try it. it. But it's you're on your own. You get all of yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and I'm like, I'm on stage. Improv really teaches you how to think quick on your feet, obviously, but mm-hmm. it gives you that stage presence as well. Sure, which is 
if you ask any comedian, it's about like 80% of the battle. Stage presence and being able to think on your feet. Oh, for yeah. That, I don't doubt that at all. Everything else is just like you just work on it. It's just finding, softening the rough edges of jokes and sure. figuring out what works and what doesn't work. So yeah. 80% of it's just being on stage and being able to talk and be appealing to look at while you're on stage. Okay. So I was like, I feel like that's a good fit because improv, that's what it pretty much is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're telling a story. You're getting people engaged. Right. Yeah. You have to be committed or else no one's going to laugh at you. Improv. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started with stand-up. I was still with my improv group. We left UNLV and we were actually performing at like casinos around town. Oh, nice. Okay. So, so I was like, okay, well, now that I'm like, we're progressing with this improv thing, like I might as well do stand-up too to like just make myself more well really out. round yourself out yeah, yeah yeah so i started in like 2010 doing some stand-up okay um and i did it for about a year and a half and then i quit because i had a really bad experience oh and, shit yeah. okay well let's go down that yeah, road yeah. i'm gonna come back to yeah, that yeah. but you can you can keep keep bringing this up to now bring it up so then i kept doing the improv show we were at planet hollywood for almost two years oh improv, sweet. okay yeah doing, and all like their theaters back there yep doing four shows uh four shows a or four nights a week two shows a night so it was that's man it was a commitment and it was fun so i was like i really don't i really don't need stand-up right now I'm, sure i'm performing and entertaining yeah. and that's what i wanted to do unfortunately we stopped uh you know planet hollywood moved in a different direction so we stopped performing and it was about a year and a half of just us trying to find a new home and sure. not getting any bites or good leads or yeah. leads that we felt were worth our while yeah yeah because yeah. how do you sell an improv group that's 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 the Man, that's the million dollar question for improv. Okay. It's it's hard. It's a hard sell because stand up, you know what you're getting in stand up. Sure. You know, you know a face. It's one person. So, you mm -hmm. know, their face and you know that stand up works improv. There's no no such thing as perfect improv. Improv no. is oh, hard. Of course. It some days it's good. Some days it's not so good. So even going to like check out like the UCB uh, Upright Citizens Brigade, right, who right. I'd say is my like top improv right amazing yeah i walked into that and i was just like okay you know there is no such thing as perfect improv they did an awesome job but yeah even at that level yeah there's no guarantees yeah and a lot of places especially in las vegas to get into a casino they want to make sure it's a guarantee oh yeah they want as close of a guarantee as possible so mm -hmm. selling improv's hard i don't doubt that at all it's very hard we were fortunate enough when we first had our show we had anthony cools the hypnotist yeah at, he was our producer and, oh, okay. back, and backed us financially and oh, gotcha. and name-wise. And then he decided that he wanted to focus mainly on his show and some other business ventures. Sure. So he felt we were in a good place to take over, and we were not in a good place to take <laughs> over. No, it, it, it is hard without that name associated. To, I totally get right, that. Right, right. It's, it's amazing and awesome guy. We still stay in contact with him. Um, so like no hard feelings whatsoever, but he's an interesting character he's a, and yeah. I, out of respect for a, a friend, I can't talk too much about him because mm -hmm. I've only had negative experiences uh. with him, but, um, it's interesting how some of those characters get their like fingers in everything in this vein, in, in the small little valley. It's a very small community and yeah. it's a very, especially for entertainers. Oh, it's. You, you can go like to any get together, meet and greet, or even just show. Yeah. And you'll see a good amount of the scene there. Of like everyone who you see elsewhere backstage. Right, right. That's crazy. Yeah. So like if you, 
if you are even like there's a show there's a stand-up show at the south point called the dirty at 12 30 mm-hmm. uh, every friday at, at 12 30 they have a a show really you, you'll see literally probably 90 percent of the comedy scene there just to watch and enjoy and just socialize with each other really okay that's cool it's 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 cool but then again it can really screw you over too if you're not one of the people that if you you know show up and you make a fool of yourself exactly then everyone's there to see it exactly do you do, do you go to this event pretty regularly oh yeah I, it's right down the street from where i live so Dude, bring me next time I, I'll, i'd love to watch some stand-up i sure. love local stand i so um i worked with uh crapshoot comedy okay festival when they were here yeah, and yeah. um the event wasn't a success because of like marketing reasons mm-hmm. and Zap too many people at Zappa's trying to be you know the leader, right? But um, so the event kind of suffered. But I got to spend the weekend with thirty comedians who are you know the end all be all of you know comedy, right? And like just listening to these dudes talk and hear their stories was yeah. mind blowing. Yeah, and like they're the ones who made it. They're the ones who are getting paid mm-hmm. big bucks to you know, to tour. So I, I'd love to see like the full range and like I, I'd love to come and meet some of these people yeah. and talk to them about where they got started. See if anyone else wants to be on the show. Oh, I'm sure. Like we like I said, every comedian has its own unique way of how they started and yeah. just stories in general. Like it's such a I'd love to just get all the comedians to, just to talk about where they started and oh, why. For sure. I'll spread the word, man, for sure. That'd be incredible. Like, thank uh, you. Yeah, no. Thank you for Giving us an outlet. <laughs> Are you kidding? No, yeah, that that's if that's the only thing I got. Like that's a hundred percent in. My dream job has shifted from being a publicist to being the next Stephen Colbert. But yeah. um, I, I love interviewing people, and I want to go back to the, I had written down what was your first bomb, and it sounds like it was in 2010 that it made you quit for a year. Yeah, quit. Yeah, it made me quit. Do you so- want it? Oh, you know what? I should actually, I mean, we're 20 minutes in. I should have explained the rules Sorry, by now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I totally apologize. So we have three simple rules on the podcast. One, if we're interrupted, someone knocks at the door, phone goes off, we have to do a shot. Okay. I have a little bar over there. We can choose whatever you'd like. We haven't been interrupted yet, which is good. Yeah, nice. Um, two, if I ever ask anything that you don't want to answer, such as if talking about your first bomb is, yeah. you know, no bueno. Our safe word is Dean's French onion dip. Dean's French onion dip. It's the best onion dip in the world, and okay. I imagine that the more I do the show and the more we use that, the more likelihood they'll sponsor. Sponsor. So I'm playing the super long game with these guys. Come on, Dean's. Come on, Dean's. Give them some onion dip. Thank you. That's we all need I'm it asking. in here. That's the one thing that's missing. Out of this all right, if we had <laughs> chips and dip and we we're eating it, that you know, Dean, if you send us some dip, we'll eat it on the show. Yeah. We'll review it for you. Yeah. A full hour just talking about your dip. You'll hear our lips smacking and all the crunch of the that's chips. That's it. It'll be just like an ASMR <laughs> video of just people eating. Just thought, mm, no, that'd be gross. <laughs> um, no, but uh, the, the third rule is that you have to share. You have to share the podcast when, oh. your, when your episode comes out. But yeah. we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, hell yeah. So if you don't want to answer about your first bomb, you're more than welcome to Dean's French Onion dip it out of there. But I, I'm, I'm super curious. Nah, I'm for sure uh, willing to talk about that. So, so now you are, but I imagine it was a touchy subject for a while. It was a touchy subject. So um, just to wrap up the first story, so... I got oh, yeah. back. Sorry. I, no, no, no. I got back up into stand up uh, a little over a year ago just because we weren't performing and yeah. it was killing me on the inside. Yeah, not being on stage. So I get that. I, I was like, you know what? Improv's not working. I need to go back to stand up because I felt like I had the talent to do stand up. Sure. I just, I had a really bad experience. I was young. Oh, so man. it was, I feel like now that I'm older and I, 
gotten so much stage time since then. Mm -hmm. I feel like I was able to handle situations better. Sure. So it just wasn't the right time for me. So it wasn't like a specific bomb per se, because Mm -hmm. even now doing it as long as I have, there's nights where you just don't have it. Oh, for sure. For whatever reason, you just don't have it. Like, so, really quick, I'm going to dig yeah. into that. I apologize. Oh, no we worries. should also call this show Tangent Lane. But um, when some people said the exact same thing that I've talked to, like, you know when you're when you're on. Right. Like, what does that feel like for you specifically? Like, when you walk out there and it just starts clicking. Like, describe that feeling if you can. It's, it's the best. It honestly is the best feeling. It's probably more addicting than like any drug that you could possibly do. Sure. Because I, I don't I don't doubt that. <laughs> because you you you're on there for like 10, 15, 20 minutes and you're hitting. Yeah. It literally feels like 30 seconds. You don't you have no idea where the time went. Really? And like you get off stage and you're just like look like you're like how do I get back on this stage yeah, right now? Like, that or, was it? That was 30 seconds. No, that was a half an hour, dude. What do you what do you want? Right. Or where can I go now? Like where where do I where can I go to get back on the stage cuz like I'm on it. Like it, really. You you turn into this like meth head for comedy. You're trying to get on any stage. You're trying to talk. You're trying to still find people to tell jokes with. That's amazing. It's it's such a cool rush. Uh-huh. And like it's funny cuz you see newer comedians you see it like once a joke hits, like you see people's face light up because it's such a cool feeling that you're on stage in front of people making them laugh out of yeah. something that you've come up with. Usually it's personal stuff or personal experiences. Sure, yeah. So like it that's... hits and you see the face light up and okay, it take that's probably one of the biggest things it takes like that the experience helps with is. You don't want to show how excited you are that yeah. your jokes are actually You're just working. like, ooh, poker face, poker face, poker face. Right. You show that you're enjoying it. Like some of the best comedians, like one of the comedians I'm really into, check him out if you haven't. Anyone that's listening, check him out. His name's Sebastian Maniscalco. Okay. He's this Italian guy from Chicago, like 20 minutes away from the neighborhood I grew up in. And yeah. he is insane but he's so funny and you see that he's just enjoying telling his jokes oh that's awesome and it makes it even better but he's not like oh my god like this joke's working crazy yeah but i'm sure that's what he's thinking on the inside inside, that's and then it's the exact opposite when you bomb it's like i've been on here for an hour like why aren't they taking me off the stage yeah like get me out of here (laughs) and it's only been like a minute and you hear oh man the silence pierces you in the stomach and you're literally just trying to search for something and you're going through your mind of okay what joke can i tell that works what joke can i tell that works sure you have like your brain is going like a million miles an hour trying to figure out how to get out of the situation oh yeah it's like you're fighting against your fight or flight right that just wants to be off that stage right and a lot of people you'll see, um, if you go to open mics or like, there's some, I've even seen it on professional shows where the comedian's demeanor just changes. Like a joke or two doesn't hit. Yeah. And it's all of a sudden just like, fuck you guys. I don't even know why I'm here right now. Yeah. You get that. You get, you get some people that just can't control that aspect of it where and just, oh man. And then it makes it really uncomfortable for everybody. That's but. crazy. Well, um, okay. So let's, let's go back to that bomb. Yeah. Let's go back to that feeling that pushed you away for a year. Yeah. So, um, you know, new comic, like when you're a new comic, it's hard because you're trying to figure out joke structure sure. and they always say timing is the last thing you get. So taking in when taking a beat when there's a laugh, Yeah. you know, how, like what you're saying is funny, but maybe if you say it this way with a different pause or no break in between, so it take it's just 
trial and error. Sure. So I went into that knowing that. So the times that I've bombed when I was a newer comic, it didn't really affect me because I'm like, I'm new. I'm, I'm learning. Yeah. You're like, okay, you know, um, brush it off, move on. Right. So this, this story is like a course of four months. So I'm going to shorten it, obviously. But it wasn't just one bomb. It was just sure. the overall experience. Sure. I, I was not experienced enough to take something like this on. Mm-hmm. And I tried what I ended up trying to do wasn't the right way to go about it. Okay. And then I just, it just overwhelmed me. And I was, I immediately was just like, I can't do this anymore. Shoot. Okay. So, yeah. So walk me through it. So, um, it was on Craigslist. There was an ad posted for a guy saying he was looking for a comedian to host a variety show. Okay. That was going to be every single day for the summer. So summer of 2010, they needed a host every single night for a variety show. Really? Yeah. And he said, like, and the ad said that um, they prefer someone that will do like 10 minutes to begin the show, 10 minutes on the intermission, sure. and then just introduce the acts and like do some crowd work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I felt like I had enough material, which I didn't at the time, but I felt like I did. Sure. Um, I wasn't, you know, again, I was young and I didn't realize that my. 20 minutes that I thought I had was really like two or three minutes Oh man! Oh, of man. solid material. Sure. But I'm like, I do improv so I can, I know crowd work. I can I do can, crowd work. Yeah. So I end up call, I end up writing to the guy in Craigslist that I was interested. He said it was a paying gig. So hell yeah. Right. Oh, heck yeah. Um, so he called me back and we had a really good conversation. He said he was part of like a rap group. Um, okay. And he does, he does um, charity work for, kids that are in prison for like really sure. serious crimes like oh, murder boy. and all those other terrible things. Okay. So that's what like that was his whole MO is he does this like gangster rap stuff at night and then tries to like help the youth oh during God, the day. That's awesome. All right, I'm in. Right. And he's like, and you can look us up on YouTube. We're not the typical rap group. I was like, okay. He's like, we all dress up in makeup and costumes. And we, we have a guy that breathes fire. We have a guy that swallows swords. Oh, man. What? So I'm like, oh, yeah. And I try to play cool. Like, yeah, that's that's normal. Like, that's that's cool. cool. Yeah. It's like a creepier insane clown posse. Right. A creepier, like, <laughs> harder insane clown posse. Oh, okay. Like, it was, a, it was a rough it was a rough crowd that, like, was in. Like, when we weren't in, like, in, like, the great – we weren't in Summerlin hanging out. It was, sure. like – East Vegas at like eleven o'clock. That okay. So describe this variety show to me. So the variety show was I was excited because the first show that I went to there was a lot of people that showed okay. up. Like and it was a good crowd. Like I was the only white guy there, which I wasn't. Uh, sure. <laughs> like cool. Like yeah, challenge accepted. Yeah. You know because those rooms, all black rooms, are usually like the most fun rooms because I don't doubt that they are there to have a good time. Fuck yeah. They are there to laugh and have a good time. A lot of white, a lot of white rooms. You got to like crack them open like a shell. Right. Right. Like one at a time almost. Right. You have the woman that's like, Oh my pearls. Like, yeah, you you, you get, come on. Why are you here? (laughs) You get a variety of with white crowds. You get a variety of people. Some are very conservative. Some are very like millennial based where they want to hear like, really absurd, crazy, sometimes like graphic things. Sure. So yeah. you have like a weird balance, but black rooms, they just want good comedy. They want good entertainment. They want to laugh. That's awesome. So I was excited when I saw it. And there's yeah. like I said, 200 people, 100, 200 people there at yeah. this show. So I'm like, hell yeah. Like this is what you dream of when you're a comic. Sure. Yeah. So I get there 
And this, again, this is over the course of four months. So it's pretty much the same thing every single day, every seven days a week, every single day. Wow. Um, I get there. The guy says the show starts at 10. Yep. I get there at 930 so I can prep and make sure, sure. You know, I'm there on time, sure. be professional. Shows don't start till like three o'clock in the morning. What? Yeah. What's happening from 10 to three in the clock? Waiting for this group to come in, waiting for that group to come in. Oh, there's no crowd yet, so we need to wait for more people to come. Oh, this person who has the sound equipment isn't here yet. It was just... Right. Jesus. Right. Okay. So, so by 3 o'clock, you're finally on stage. 3 o'clock and not the greatest like areas, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not, like, I'm not super tough. Like, I definitely scream out, like, hey, like you can mug me, and I probably won't put up that much of a yeah. fight. <laughs> um, so... I and I would I would bring people like I would bring pe- I would try to contribute so I would bring like friends and everything and they're like we have to fucking work yeah it's we, like what are we doing here it's right. now three a.m. right like we can't stay here like why so like my people would leave and get all pissed off that I would bring them and they would just sit there with me at a at a bar or like whatever local facility they were able to get so I was like okay like this is interesting I can okay whatever and the guy paid me he would pay me sure. twenty five bucks for the night which yeah. When you're 21, out of college, that's 22, it's like, enough. I could buy a house with this money. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. That's amazing. So, yeah, so it was okay. And then what ended up happening was he's like, okay, well, we don't need you to do 10 minutes right now. Just introduce the acts, and then we'll have you do your 20 minutes on the intermission, and then we'll just have you introduce the acts. So I'm like, okay, fine. Sure. Yeah, and it would, yeah. Fine. But what happened and what a lot of comedians now realize, too, you can't have comedy and music in the same show. Because people that are there for music yeah. just want to see music. Oh, sure. They don't want to see comics. Un- un- unless, like, what, there's a show on Comedy Central that's literally about, like, comics singing with their favorite band. But, like, right. you go to there knowing you're getting both. Right. You can't go to a Wu-Tang Clan concert and then have Aziz Ansari open. I, I, I don't care. Right. You know, if you love them both, you're not in that mood. Or if you go to a comic, you're not in the mood to have, you know. Right. I totally get that. Right. And comedy people are more, like, comedy fans... They, because music's music. When you go to enjoy music, like, oh, yeah. yeah, you're like, okay, like this is cool. Like I'm yeah. here to listen to music. Everyone listens I'm to music. I'm in. I'm jamming. I'm doing my thing. Yeah. Not everyone listens to comedy, so <laughs> that totally makes sense. So, um, and a lot of comedians. Even I did a charity show a couple months ago where it was music and comedy, and all the comics were miserable, and all oh, the people that man. were there for the music were miserable because they're like, what's happening? Yeah, I'm only getting half of what I paid for. So at first, the first couple weeks. They try like people tried to stay and watch my comedy. Sure, but they were interested in the music. They wanted to go, you know, when they were intermission. They wanted to go smoke cigarettes. They wanted to go sure. toke up in their car, like whatever. Oh, yeah. whatever people do and in intermissions of shows. Yeah. yeah, of course. That's what they wanted to do. So it eventually became me just performing for nobody. Oh man, nobody. Everybody. Everybody would go outside during the intermission. Like no acts would stay in. None of their fans. There was no bartenders in a lot of these places, so it was literally me just standing in an empty room, trying to do comedy. That's am- like so. Would you still do it if there was one person in the room? I yeah. Mean, or, yeah. Yeah, you gotta. I would. I would still and like even if people left, I try like, and that's where like it really started to get to me because, you know, if there's one person in the room, I would still pr- try to perform. But like if everyone left, I would try to like, 
open the door and do my jokes while they're not paying attention. I try to force myself upon them because yeah. I was frustrated. I was angry because I'm like, I'm here. Yeah, I'm getting paid $25, but I want to perform. Like, yeah. I want to entertain people. Yeah, I, this is the premise of a stage, but they right. didn't promise me an audience. Yeah, wow. Right. All right. And I dealt with that for like four months. And I Jeez. would even talk to the guy. I'm like, hey, man, like, you need to make sure these people stay or put me, have me do it before. Or, or in between acts or like right. something. Or like have me do five minutes between each set, like just so I can feel like I'm doing something. And he was nice about it. He said, yeah, I'll get people to stay. I'll get people to stay. And it just never, it just never got better. Sure. And then the people that would stay, like every now and then they would feel like sympathy for me and they would stay. Yeah. And as a comic, especially when you're trying to cut your teeth and develop, you have to keep saying the same jokes. Most comics will do the same routine every single night, different clubs, because they get different audiences. Sure. Yeah. I knew that, but I wasn't, again, experienced enough where I was like, I, this is just part of the process. I have to tell the same jokes. I have to tell, I have to have a routine. I can sprinkle new stuff in there, but I have to develop my routine. Sure. So I was trying to write new stuff every single day. Okay. Like on the spot, telling on the spot, and like yeah. cutting them in your head. Right. Really? Every trying to, trying to come up with a 15, 20 minute set of new material every single day. Jesus Christ. And it just, yeah, it just eventually I was so like, you know what? fuck this no this is not for me like i improv we were on we were on stage getting crowds and i'm like if i'm just gonna make stuff up might as well just do improv yeah okay yeah and like in that case you can tap yourself out and tap someone else in if you're not feeling it but right. like not on stand-up if, you, if you're off that's it right and uh so yeah it was just like i said i was 22 years old I was way over my head. It wasn't a good situation to begin with. Sure. Even now, I probably would look at the situation after a week and be like, yeah, I I appreciate it, but like <laughs> unless this changes, unless you guys keep people here yeah. for me, like I'm not gonna no. I'm not gonna do it. So yeah. So that's two thousand ten. You you leave, you go to do some improv, you end up coming back to stand up. Yep. What's different now? Where are you performing? Like tell me about like if 2017 Spirit could go back and talk to 2010, like, what's the difference? What have you learned in those seven years? Just being patient. Like, being, like, and I also have a, um, I've been doing a vlog for the past month and a half. Yeah, 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 yeah. So tell tell the people about that. Tell, tell me, but tell everybody about that. Yeah, and it kind of ties into what your question is, is why I bring it up. Because it's a hard life. Like oh, it's, yeah. It's a hard life. You're not going to get laughs. You're mm -hmm. not you're going to be doing these terrible shows in front of nobody or other comedians that aren't paying attention to your stuff anyway, because they're trying to focus on their own. They're stuff. doing their own stuff in their own head. Yeah. Right. So it's easy for someone like, like, like me when I was younger or someone new coming into the scene to get discouraged and just not want to do it anymore. Yeah. And they could have a, a great amount of potential and be very funny, but they give up because they think they're going to come in and, perform in front of people and then they realize like oh i'm not performing in front of people <laughs> yeah it's just a stage yeah even, even someone like me who's been doing it 10 years now entertaining and doing comedy and has performed on the big stages yeah even i like hit up these open mics and i don't do well every single night and yeah i don't have people that are listening to me it's a grind a lot of mm -hmm. people one of the biggest things that it hit me with is i remember someone said like kevin hart just came out of nowhere it's like 
No, he did. Oh no, no he, did he absolutely did not. He's <laughs> no, he been did doing not. this stuff since Scary Movie One, right? And like, even like even th- even to get to that point, yeah, oh, you don't man. even see what he did to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And I think there's an awesome show on Showtime about stand-ups called uh, "I'm Dying Up Here." Yep. And even that show shows comics that are at a comedy club performing in front of paying customers with yeah. polished professional sets. Like you don't, a lot of people don't see that process of how you even get a polished set yeah. saying the same joke hundred different ways and hopes that you find the one way that it works or in once you find that one way it works testing it to make sure that it actually does work and it wasn't just a one-time it, type yeah of thing. A, a one-time in your head like fit with the, the audience right so there's a lot of patience involved and there's a lot of you just going through the process. I talk about that a lot in my vlog is you just have to go. It's part of the process. You have to take every experience and figure out why that experience is important to help you. Grow yeah. It worked as a or didn't work. Yeah. And I, if I could go back to 2010, me, I would totally say that we like take this experience <laughs> and like realize why it's not a good experience, but yeah. then also take what you learn from it and build off of it to be something better. Yeah. You know, learn from this. <laughs> right. Right. That's that cliche thing. Like learn from your failures. That's what comedy is. is yeah. you're, you're failing 90 percent of the time. Oh, sure. For that 10 percent of success. So any new comic or anything, that's what I've learned, at least coming back the second time around doing stand up is you just got to. You can't get discouraged and you can't stop because you get discouraged because yeah. Just like anything that's not a guarantee, like entertainment wise, anything like that. Like as soon as you get discouraged and quit, like you're more than likely aren't going to, you're not going to make it. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, of course you don't make any other shots that you don't take. So right. You got to push through that and you got to, man. So where does your writing or like, where, where do your jokes come from when you're trying to, like you said, create a polished set? My jokes come from, I, I do a lot of just stuff that I see during like during my life. I feel like uh, the title of my vlog is called My Life is Funny, I guess, because I feel every time I tell a story, people go, the weirdest stuff happens. You have the craziest stories. You have the yeah. funniest stories that are true stories that we can't believe they're real. And I was like, yeah, I guess my life is funny. That's where, that's yeah, where that's it came from. Yeah. And that's kind of what I try to do for a couple of reasons. One, I'm always big on write what you know. Because sure. the audience responds to honesty. Oh, yeah. The audience isn't stupid. They might look stupid. They might, you might be like, yeah. You you, feel that they're stupid. You, got, you yeah. guys are, um, this didn't really happen to me, but I'm getting over on you. But deep down, they know if it's genuine, if it, you know, if it really happened to you or if it's something you really care about. Like, yeah. Audiences are very perceptive on that kind of stuff. E- even at like the open mic level? Yeah. Really? Yeah. It, they know, people know when you're bullshitting. People sure. know when you're saying something offensive just to say something offensive. Yeah. You're not trying to say, have a message. Like Louis C.K. will say offensive things, but he's got a message but behind like, it. But like, there's a purpose to it. Right. Yeah. And it's something that he's passionate about. It's not, yeah. he's not just like, I'm going to say the N word because I'm a white guy. Yeah. What's the funniest thing guy. I can think of? Yeah. Right. He, his, his routine about that is about how stupid the word is and how, yeah. how, how like getting offended by things because of a stupid word and like how like ignorant the word is. Yeah. Like he's having a overall message that it's like, yeah, it's a word and people think that you shouldn't get offended by it, but that's not your, that's not your reason. Like you're not, if you're not a black person, yeah, you don't, you can't understand why that word is yeah. offensive. Oh yeah. No, the, 
That's actually a really good set. If, if you haven't listened right. to Louis C.K. talk about that, I totally, totally it's suggest phenomenal. it. Yeah, phenomenal. But I'm not. I'm not passionate about messages. Like that's not my thing. I want to share like my experience. I worked in the casino since I was 21 years old. I've dealt with so many crazy oh, people man. and crazy things. So yeah, I bet. So and like hockey and my family and I. I try to pull from those experiences and that's what I love talking about. I'm very like storytelling base where I like to just tell the story, maybe a little bit more exaggerated how it normally like, oh, no, of course. normally would be. Yeah, of course. But a lot of the stuff I talk about are actually like real stories that yeah. really happen and I've changed very little about what actually happens. That's so. amazing. Do you write any of this down or is it all you're creating it in your head? Because like I feel like I've always seen it split. It's either just like their experiences so they're they're here or like do you sketch out how you think this joke should be laid out or like what's your what's your writing process I, I guess like yeah so one and the one thing I learned this time around and from the in-between time between 2010 and when I came back here is I can't fight the improv in sure me. oh yeah I I loved it for a reason I did it for so long for yeah, a yeah. reason I think in 2010, I relied on it too much where I was like, oh, I can write new material whenever I want to because sure. I, I, know I improv. do improv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that wasn't the right way to think about it. Mm. Using it as a tool hand in hand with stand-up and like structured jokes, I think works for me better. So I'll think of something or like something funny will happen to me or something that I observe I think is funny. Yeah. I'll write like a bullet point down. Okay. And then I'll write a couple... Like, try to structure the joke out from beginning to end. What's sure. the premise? What's the punchline? Sure. And then fit the story in between. Um, and then when I go on stage, I don't have it. A lot of comics, and again, it's everyone's process is different. Some A lot of comics will have it word for word written down. Yeah. Some I will take it with them. or yeah, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I will forget, and then I'll panic, and then... And then you're reading notes, trying to figure out. Yeah. Right. So I'll go up there. With my bullet points, I'll have a bullet points on my notepad if I bring my notepad up. Yeah. And I'll just try to hit those bullet points and I'll use my improv to try to find where I go from there. Sure. And then I record all my sets, audio and video. Yeah. And I watch them close to 50 times and I said, okay, well, the, you, when you're on stage, you know if something feels good. Oh, and, sure. And you know if something's shit. Yeah. If you say it out loud, you're like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Like, I won't dismiss it completely, but I'll be like... I probably need to... <laughs> this was a great idea in my head, but it didn't translate very well. Right. And then you say stuff, you're like, they, it didn't get the laugh that I wanted, but like, there's something there. Sure. So that's what I'll do then is I'll take more detailed notes on like why I thought it didn't go over well. Yeah. What could I try to make it better next time? And then same with the audience laughs at it. Be like, okay, why did they laugh at it this time? Is it because I said it with this inflection? Did I say it? Is it just funny in general? Or yeah. did I say it? Is the moment when I say it? What's funny, so then I'll try to like, I'll do a lot of experimenting on where I place things and see, like just test it out. If, if I put a word, if I put like a section of the joke at the beginning of the joke instead of the middle, sure, and it still gets laughs, it's like, okay, well, this, it's obviously this, whatever I'm saying here is. This just, is the piece that's funny. I need to, yeah. Right. I need to expand on this or I need to figure out what the best place, or it doesn't matter where I put it because it's getting a laugh. How can I, where, all these other things that aren't hitting, where can I put these and get these laughs? Like, yeah. get laughs for it. So, I'm like a weird mad scientist yeah, puzzle Yeah, it, it's, it's like you're guy. playing Legos and you're trying to rebuild the same thing like 40 different ways. Pretty much, yeah. Man, so, that's crazy. Yeah. So, um, I want to talk about a couple more things because yeah. we're coming close to time. Um, 
you talked about playing some of the bigger rooms and yeah. going from open mic. I, I saw your, I watched your stand up from the Laugh Factory. Thanks. How'd that come about? That's yeah, it was great. It was a lot of it was it was interesting. I went to Chicago for just for vacation because I'm from Chicago. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to, I wanted to get on the Laugh Factory stage. Yeah. Like that's it's a legendary stage. Oh man, for sure. I've been to the one here hundreds of times. Yeah, and it's it's a tough stage to get on, and mm-hmm. you know. Even if you have a solid set and you reach out and you send videos and stuff, it's not guaranteed, which I did. I reached out and I didn't yeah. get any response and I was kind of like, all right, well, maybe. But then, again, us comics were fragile people. We'd take like, well, maybe they didn't think I was funny. Like, maybe, yeah. maybe I shouldn't be on this oh, stage. Shoot. But yeah. you, you got to realize that they probably get so many videos of people sending them shit. No joke. A day trying to get on the stage. Yeah. So there's, a, there's Facebook groups that have... You know, each scene has a couple Facebook groups where people post show opportunities. Or oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I added myself to that group, and I was just kind of like, all right, I'm going to hit up some open mics while I'm in Chicago just to check out the scene. Yeah, of course. And there was a book show on the Laugh Factory on a Tuesday. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then the guy said that there was two shows, a 7.30 and a 9.30 show, and there's lottery slots. Oh, yeah. So okay. you literally sign up, and they throw it all in a bucket and they pull you out and if you get pulled out you get to be on the show really so yeah. you did the lottery i did the lottery and i was just like you know what i'm like i'll do that because how many people could show up right like, yeah of course how many people are gonna risk doing this like there's other shows going on like you know no one's gonna want to drive all the way down there pay for parking and oh, put their name in a bucket show up i shit you not there was probably over a hundred comics there That's, i don't doubt that at all th- you could barely stand in the lobby because there were so many comics that signed up for this. Just to put their name down in this bucket. Just to put their name down in a bucket. And That's I was, amazing. I was like, motherfucker, I drove two hours, to paid for parking, and yeah. I, now I'm not going to get on, and now I wasted a night because now all the mics are going on. Oh, yeah. Like, and now I just, yeah, I'm taking a shot, but I would rather be doing, actually getting stage time. So, bam, it paid off. Bam, it paid off. 7.30 show, I didn't get picked. Okay. I was... Like, okay, nine, I was like, I was like, 9.30 show, that's fine. And then, like, five minutes before they drew in the 9.30 show, I got super, I was like, they're not going to pick me. Like, oh, I just man, wasted, you I, got, like, totally in your own head and everything. Totally in my own head. I was like, I'm like, I didn't even pay for parking past 9.30 because I was like, I'm not, like, not going to Doesn't get, matter. I'm not going to Doesn't matter, it. yeah. And sure enough, I was the first lottery pick pulled for the 9.30 show. And I was like, I'll be right back. I got to pay for parking. <laughs> Shit, okay. I'll, yeah. And I like sprinted. And then, yeah, like I was, I was prepared, which I was happy for. That's awesome. Um, and then watching that set, it, it makes me proud of where I've come like from beginning to end. Yeah, of course. Because when you watch it, like my first couple jokes, they go over well. Sure. But again, when you're performing, you know when it's not going the way that you want it to. Do, do you remember this set specifically? Do you remember being up there? I remember, and I was I was going to go into my Vegas material because out here, my Vegas material goes over pretty darn well. Oh, yeah. Everyone has that same feeling and thought. We all live here, so we get your you know jokes. Right. And I don't want to be, I don't want it to be like regional comedy, but I'm like, let me, I'm like, I'm getting in front of a crowd of 300 people. Yeah. It was nearly sold out at the Laugh Factory. I was like, and all the comics were doing great. It was a good crowd laughing. I was like, let me do this because I feel like this is some of my best material. Sure. I'm from Vegas. I'll tie that in and we'll go from there. And it didn't, it wasn't hitting. Like they were laughing, but I was like, they're, they're not on board. Sure. Not, and sometimes with, with comedy, like there's a moment where you're going to be like, okay, you guys are going to come on board with yeah. me, whether you like it or not. Yep. And I noticed 
not like I said, like my first little teaser into my Vegas humor and they just weren't budging on it. So like, if you watch the video, I immediately go, okay, well let's talk about something else. And then yeah. I go into my other material and it just goes great from there on out. Like it went, it went extremely well. I got a lot of good laughs. I had some yeah. guy buy me a Corona and hand it to me on oh, stage. Hey, yeah. So I was proud of myself again. Like when you talk about if I was 2017, me talking to 2010, like that was the moment where I was like, okay, like I'm, like, I'm I need different. To keep doing this. I need to keep pushing. Right. To get onto more stages like this. Right. I was lucky enough to get on it, and I took advantage of the opportunity. If I was 2010, me, I would have just forced myself to say that same Vegas joke. Vegas and, joke, yeah. and it might have gone over, but it didn't look like it was gonna be what I wanted. Yeah. So, again, like that experience that I had from all those years and being older and more mature. And ready for that moment, yeah. I feel helped me, and then yeah, it definitely makes me feel like I'm on the right path. That's awesome. So when you write your jokes, do you, do you stay in the voice of Spiro, like, or do you write for a character that's on stage? Like, do you see yourself splitting up, or I so, does that question make sense? Sorry, no, it, to... it, it makes sense, and it's funny because I talked to a gentleman. Um, about it that I really respect in the comedy world, um, a local comic out here. And I got his feedback. I'm like, man, you're so funny. Like, like, do you have, I like notes and criticism. Like, Oh, sure. Yeah. If you can help me, like if you can tell me something that I don't realize that I'm doing, like, tell me, like I, I would rather know instead of looking like an idiot. Sure. Yeah, of course. So I said that and he's like, no, he's like, what I really like about you is you're just yourself on stage and people, and people love that. I'm like, oh, because okay. like, I never thought of it in that sense, like a character or anything like that. Sure. Because I feel like I'm very conversational and very friendly, but I do have like a bitter outlook on a lot of things. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't know if that people perceive that as a character or not, but knowing like people watching my set over and over and over and over and giving me the feedback that it's, they can tell that it's me yeah. and that it works. It's what I like to do. I don't like to have like that character humor. Like I on stage, I'm the same on stage as I am off stage. That's awesome. And, I, you, and I do yeah. enjoy that part of it. Yeah. You don't have to worry about being out of character because you're always in character. Right. Man, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming yeah. on the show. Yeah. I, I learned a ton. I went through all my questions. Is there anything else that I, I want you to plug all your stuff? Yeah, man. Please and thank you. Get yeah. into it. Yeah, man. Uh, well, first, appreciate it. Thank you. Are we kidding? Sorry, I talk. I talk a lot. I no, know. that was that is the <laughs> point. I have gotten notes about my podcast, and the one that I've gotten is stop talking. You have guests on for a reason. Ah. So I, I sincerely appreciate <laughs> that, uh, and I appreciate you being here. No, yeah, definitely appreciate it. Um, yeah, if you guys want to follow me, all my social media is at Spiro in that show. So at Spiro S P I R O in I N that t-h-a-t show s-h-o-w spiro in that show okay um instagram facebook no myspace unfortunately man twitter all that they good just stuff can't catch a break um i have my daily vlog that i post same handle my life is funny i guess is the title of the show on youtube mm-hmm. um and then i also i host a an open mic showcase on wednesdays now at jackpot bar and grill really where's that at it's a jackpot bar and grill it's on flamingo and um and Arville, it's right next to the, it's about a mile and a half away from the Palm, or it's, yeah, it's about a mile away yeah, from the Palm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, um, Really awesome showroom, great comics. I limit it so we only have a couple comics, so 
Um, you don't get beaten over the head with open mic comedy. You get to see a small amount. It's a lot of fun. Really good food. They have uh, pepper jack cheese, mozzarella sticks oh, that done. are fucking okay. amazing. Well, I was already coming, but, <laughs> but shit. Now I'm, I'm going to have to take my dairy medicine. Um, so when is the show again? Shows on Wednesdays. It starts at 10 o'clock. Um, if you're a comic and you want to sign up and try to do some of the uh, comedy, sign-ups are at 9.30. I take the first seven comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have a lottery for the remaining three spots. Okay. So just like in the Chicago one, you put your yeah, name down, yeah. we pull Streaming, from a bucket. You just pull it from there. Best set gets $25. So you get oh, some cash. If nice. You, okay. If, if you bring the heat with your jokes. Okay. And then if you win, you get to perform on our end-of-the-month showcase show for a chance to win $100. So. Oh, shit. Okay. So that's Wednesday. What Wednesdays. Time? Every Wednesday Wednesdays. At 10. At 10 for showtime, 9.30 for sign-ups. Damn. Okay. Well, I'm coming. Yeah. I'm coming at 10. And I'm going to get my feet wet, potentially, see if I can't put my name in one of these weeks. Definitely, man. Definitely. I've been writing stuff, and um, I'm not going to attempt to perform any of it right now. But I've written some stuff, and and I will definitely put my name in and and, and get your feedback. Definitely. Yeah. So. the hard, any aspiring comics like Josh or anyone that wants to try it, hardest part is just getting on the stage. Oh, Ben, I bet. I I remember every single time that the, like, the theater curtains would go up, it's like, until they start moving, I'm going to shit my pants, and like the second it's gone and I'm on stage, I'm fine. Right. I'm fine. It's right. just like being in a second body. Right. And it's like, it's, it's like clockwork. If you're a new comic, your first time on stage, I guarantee you will at least get one really good laugh. Okay. Because you're new, you're being yeah. honest, and you have a different perspective on the world than us comedians that have been doing it for a while. So sure. you get a lot of unique thoughts and just, like I said, honesty, which is what the audience will always react to is the honesty of it. Yeah. So don't get discouraged. You might, you're not going to get a lot of laughs. Sure. Join the club. Uh, <laughs> but you'll, you'll get some on your first one, and then you, awesome. you'll, you'll feel that buzz and want to get back on. Okay. All right. Well, I, I'm incredibly stoked. I'll be there this Wednesday. Sweet. And um, yeah, for anyone else who wants to meet me there, let's go. Let's do it, guys. And let's watch some stand-up. Yeah. So, Spiro, thank you again for coming on the show. Of course. Spiro in that show on all social. Yep. And uh, I can't wait to see what else comes next. Yeah, me too, man. Right, Love bud. to be back one day. Yeah. Oh, you kidding? For sure. Feel free to invite anyone else on the show, other oh, yeah. comedians that you have friends and want to you know, talk at me. Yeah. Hell yeah. I'll spread the I'm word. Sweet, we- dude. Give us right. a microphone and a platform. We're th- we're there. I would yeah. I have a ton of microphones. We can have like a roundtable discussion sometime soon. Cool. Get a bunch of comedians just talk about their process. Hell yeah, man. Done. I'm in. All right, Spiro. Thank you so much. Thanks, dude. Say bye to everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Yeah.